0: Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy Podcast, your go to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker Jordan Bunch. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy Podcast. This is not going to be a series this time, this is a standalone episode. I am here at our office. In Austin, Texas, talking with our studio manager and the producer of the Wedding Film Academy podcast, who you all owe a great debt of gratitude and favor towards, Taylor freaking Juarez.
1: You always have to throw the freaking in there, don't you?
0: That is your middle name, right?
1: (laughs) Might as well be now.
0: Okay, that's what I thought. I'm not sure what your parents were thinking when they gave you that name, but it all worked out, so... That is good news. Taylor, like I said, she is both the producer of this podcast and our studio manager. She wears lots of hats around here, though. She is also one of our lead filmmakers, and she just basically keeps the show running around here. So that's really what I wanted to talk about today is this idea that perhaps you could do more perhaps you could do more of what you really love and less of the things that maybe you're not as gifted at. And I think that's one of the things that so many people really in any creative industry, but um, beyond that really any solopreneur I think struggles with is it's really difficult to begin to let go of tasks and allow other people who are maybe more gifted at than you are at certain things take care of those things for you. But I think what we're going to explore in this podcast is why maybe that's a good thing for you. Maybe you're not quite at that place yet, but maybe you are and you just don't realize it yet. Maybe you've gotten caught up into a bunch of backlog. Maybe you're not answering emails as quickly as you used to. Uh, Maybe your clients aren't getting as great of an experience as you'd like for them to have because you're so busy uh, you know, running your business, you're so busy shooting and editing and doing all those other things. So anyways, that's what today's topic is. That's what we're going to do. Taylor, thanks for joining me.
1: Of course. Anytime.
0: Cool. Well, uh, we're going to just kind of have a a conversation here, just kind of back and forth, not so much an interview as much as it is a discussion about kind of what Taylor has done for us and, and what it's done for my company. So Yeah. What do you think, Taylor?
1: So, back when I first responded to your Craigslist ad and you were hiring me as a videographer, I also convinced you that you needed me to run your social media. So, you agreed to that, and I came on, you know, shooting video and also just running Instagram and Facebook, making social media posts, posting some of our content, which I thought was very helpful as you were growing your business and kind of getting your name out there more. Your Instagram and Facebook were very new when I came into the picture. So that was a good thing to have. But at some point, you realized there was more potential for maybe what I could do for you or for things that you needed for your company. Right. So at what point did you start realizing, hey, I think I need some extra help. I think maybe I need to pass along some tasks, maybe hire a manager or assistant of sorts.
0: Yeah. Yeah for sure. So when I first reached out to you when I first put out the Craigslist ad it was pretty near the beginning of our company. You know, we at the time we had done very few weddings under my other brand, Lady Bird, uh, wedding films at the time. Now now Lady Bird Studios. But uh, you know, at, at that point we really weren't at a point where I couldn't pretty easily manage things on my own. And so when you pitched the idea of, you know, just doing all of our social media and blogging and that kind of stuff, that sounded great because up until that point, I hadn't done anything in regards to our social media or blogging. And I know, of course, the benefits of doing that and getting yourself out there. But that was not something I had made a priority at all. And at the same time, I recognized that, in order for us to grow, we needed to be in the public sphere, in the marketplace, which, of course, today is social media and, and your website, the blog, and all that kind of stuff. So so because I knew I didn't have the time for that and you expressed an interest as well as a gifting in that, I said, hey, let's do it. And actually, we, I remember we did it as just a trial run. I basically told you um, this is going to be sort of a long-term interview right? Let's see how this goes for, um, I think I gave you two months and said, prove to me that A, you can do a good job of this and B, that the work that you do here will be fruitful for us. Basically that your job will pay for itself. And so that was kind of how we started out. Do you remember that that whole process?
1: Yeah, I do. I remember sitting down in your home office at the time and just kind of springboarding ideas and me saying, here's what I think we should do for Instagram and here's what I think we should do for Facebook. Got some ideas for blog posts. And really, since I started, everything has been consistent as far as timing and when I post. I've created a schedule in the beginning and have stuck to it ever since.
0: Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and so I remember we had a checkup. We went to lunch and just chatted about how things have been going so far. And at that point made the decision to kind of let you continue to take over. We came up with uh, a monthly rate and you were just going to kind of keep going with that. And so we continued on with that for several months as, you know, you began being trained as a second shooter and, you know, slowly working yourself into the role of a lead shooter. Do you remember the timing on when you started taking over client's Uh, communication?
1: I do. It was towards the end of last year. I remember because it was right before the holidays. It was sometime, yeah, November or early December that you started talking to me about the possibility of more office duties, more tasks that were along the lines of answering emails and dealing with clients and keeping things organized in the office. So we started discussing basically what that role would look like we didn't even have a name for it at the time i don't think i think i started out being
0: you changed titles director of
1: of marketing and operations
0: that sounds right yeah i think is what we started sounds like a title i would have come up with (laughs) that's a, a mouthful
1: that's right so it was like about the end of last year that you introduced me to 17 hats and showed me what the office looked like on the inside how to do clients, how to answer emails, all the templates that you had in place. You basically showed me what 17 Hats was and how to use it. And we agreed, okay, so basically I'll hop on 17 Hats every day, check everything, make sure everything's in order. We started creating workflows that were a little more detailed and organized than they had been before. So I remember we sat down and actually talked through the organization of how we wanted to deal with clients how often we wanted to reach out to them, and we sort of built those workflows together as I was taking on this new role.
0: Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm remembering that now. One of the things that continues to sort of be surprising to me as we talk about this timeline is how a lot of these decisions that we made in the very early stages of the business really propelled things forward because... Just, just thing, hearing you say, oh, yeah, I only moved into that role a year ago is still, like, really surprising to me because just because the, the growth has been so quick. I mean, when we first interviewed you, you know, at that point we had only done, like, maybe a dozen wedding films under that brand. And uh, so it was very much like just this sort of, we think this is going to work really well and we think this is going to grow, but it's not much of anything right now. <laughs> and within a year's time, we had done another, I think 60, uh, 40, 40 to 60 films. I forget what the number was exactly. And then this year, uh, between the two. So I think we'll do like over 120 this year, uh, 150. If you count the stuff that I'm doing through Jordan March productions, which uh, Taylor helps out with from time to time on that as well. Um, actually, I've asked her to step into the role of studio manager for that company as well recently. So she's taking on lots of, lots of responsibilities. Um, but I think one of the things that I'm just sort of identifying as we're having this conversation is how helpful all of that has been in freeing up my... Uh, my mental energy and and freeing up my time really to be able to focus on the big picture and the growth of the company. And that's been super successful, you know, because you've been able to handle, at this point, really, I mean, almost all the day-to-day operations.
1: Yeah, I think looking back on it now, I think you would have seen it differently if you hadn't hired me already. You would have probably spent longer time searching or trying to think up what you needed in terms of growth and having someone take over management of office duties, but the timing worked out really well because you hired me literally right before I graduated from college, and I was bound and determined to find a job that I could grow in, that was flexible, that was in my field of interests. And when I first got hired as a videographer, you know, I was happy about it but realized still, okay, this is kind of part-time for now. I still need to find ways to fill in income gaps because I really want to do a job that I love. I don't want to have to go out and just work at a restaurant or find something kind of normal just to, you know, pay the bills. I really want to do something artistic and creative and entrepreneurial if possible. So just finding this company and recognizing right away, oh wow, he's new. He's still building. He's growing. This is my opportunity to show him where he could take it, What, how I could be of value to his company. And so I was always ready to take on more every time Jordan had a new idea. It's like, let's do it. I'm ready. I want to make this as full-time as I possibly can so that I don't have to worry about filling in the income with other side jobs, which I did for a while last year and I still continue to do because it just kind of comes with the artistic territory. I'm always doing something. But I am so thankful that I've been able to turn this into a full-time job.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so speaking about that, what do you feel like you're loving most about your job right now?
1: Besides everything? (laughs) Um, I really love that, like I said before, it's very flexible. You have pretty much always allowed me to decide when I want to work and how much I want to work and where I want to work. In the beginning, I was working from home because we didn't have an office. You were working out of your home office anyway. Periodically, I would come over and we would meet in your home office, but it was nice to be able to work from home and do things that, weren't on a strictly like, okay, I have to sit down and be at my computer for this many hours. It was more like, hey, I just need to be checking in, always aware of emails coming in, things I have to do for social media. So I was kind of on my own timing, which was nice because it allowed me to do other things that I love and have time and flexibility in my lifestyle, which is something that I love. Um, And I found it relatively easy to organize myself and work from home and be steady in that for me it works very well because i'm very self-motivated
0: but now i make you come into this office and work too which i also (laughs)
1: love because it's not really a true office job it's like getting to come to a place every day where i just hang out with cool people and we do fun stuff and we're always doing our own tasks, but playing off of each other. And we get to just walk into the next room and ask a question when we need something. It's, it's a lot easier to have everybody in one place, to have your editor in the room next door. So when he's working on a film, I can just walk over there and say, oh, hey, by the way, let me give you some extra details about this wedding so you help you in the edit. And when he has questions for me about a wedding, he can just... Holler into the next room. And I think we've established a very good workflow here amongst the three of us.
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree. I remember it was, it took us a few months from the time that we decided, I think it was like three months from the time that we decided, hey, I think we can be way more effective if we're working together in the same office. And the time we began like looking for a space until we got in here. And I remember just, during those three months, just feeling like agonizing, like, uh, I can't do this anymore. We have to be in the same space together. And yeah, I agree. It's been super helpful.
1: Okay. I remember the original question now, what do I love about my job? (laughs) Another thing I love about my job is networking. I love the opportunity to be able to talk to clients, to brides, to grooms to planners, to other vendors prior to the wedding. I enjoy being organized. I'm a very OCD type A person. So I enjoy responding to emails. I enjoy dealing with schedules and keeping everything organized and making sure that everyone's on the same page. I'm very good at that stuff. And I honestly really enjoy it. And I like knowing that I have all of the details for every wedding that we do. I'm in charge of sending out timelines to all of our shooters, making sure they have everything they need for the wedding day. And so I really enjoyed just that whole process from the time we book a client all the way through the wedding, even the ones that I get to shoot. It's it's cool to show up at a wedding, and I've already been talking to the bride. Even if I haven't met her in person, I've spoken to her. She's been aware of me talking to her through emails, or maybe I gave her a phone call about something it's just cool to show up and say, hey, it's me. I'm the one that's been helping plan your wedding, and now I'm here to shoot it. And that's a really rewarding thing.
0: Yeah. Now, this is a question to our listeners. Does that sound like you? Are you the type of person who loves scheduling and loves all the communication with your clients leading up to the wedding and loves all the emails back and forth with the planners and the photographers and are you the type of person who loves scheduling and getting your second shooters lined up and is that you and for some people maybe the answer is yes my guess is though that for most of our listeners the answer is not yes to that question and for me like that's definitely the case that my answer is not yes to that question. And so that has been so much of what has made my life so much better is to not have to do a lot of the things that A, I don't like doing and B, I'm not very good at because I don't like doing it. So why would I be good at it? (laughs) Anyways, uh, I think one of the things that I want to do with this podcast, like I mentioned before, is just help sort of open your eyes to what more could you do if you didn't have to be doing all the things that you didn't like doing and so I love hearing that from you Taylor is these are things that you actually really love doing and so not only is it great because I don't have to do it because I don't want to but I'm giving you a cool job that you really love and that's awesome too so I just wanted, I wanted you guys to hear that, especially those of you who just can't stand that kind of stuff, is there are people out there who not only are good at it, but who love to do it. So how cool is that? Hire them. <laughs> um, so I heard a couple of things there that you love about your job. One thing you forgot to mention is just how much you love working for your amazing boss. Well, that's but, sort
1: of a given, Jordan. <laughs> but
0: we'll, we'll forgive you for that. So that's okay. Um, but seriously, give me like, because we have a super busy schedule, like we talked about, we're, I think that we'll do a little over 120 weddings this year through Ladybird Studios. So we have a, at this point, like a pretty regular routine. So, you know, a lot of people ask like the day in the life. That's not really fair for us, you know, in this industry, but give me a week in the life of, the studio manager for Ladybird Studios.
1: Okay, so we'll start with Mondays. Monday is the day I come in after a weekend, usually of shooting. I shoot almost every weekend. And that's the day when I bring back all the gear. My other shooters will either bring it to my house or bring it into the office, whichever is most convenient for them. But that's the day that I bring all the gear in. I sit down in our editor's office and I dump all of the footage onto our computer. Not only do I dump all the footage, but we back it up three times, so the footage is on three different hard drives, and I organize all of the footage for each wedding into separate folders, like pre-ceremony footage, ceremony footage, etc. Once all of that is done, I usually check emails that came in over the weekend, respond to any leads... Monday is the day I usually like to send out the timelines for the following weekend if I have them. If not, that's the day I like to check in with the either the bride or the planners and say, okay, got weddings coming up this weekend. Let's work out those last-minute details. So That's what Monday looks like for me. I usually come in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. It, it varies a little week to week. If I if there's a week I have other things, you know, I vary the days. But usually I'm in the office three days a week. And so throughout the week, I'll just be answering emails. I'll be making my social media plans for the next week, editing podcasts for you guys, and really just taking care of day-to-day operations, talking to clients, anything Jordan needs. Occasionally, you know, we'll have a shoot or an event or something to do. But for the most part, we're just in the office kind of running operations. And then Thursday... And Friday, I'm usually at home. I take the gear home with me, and I recharge all of the gear at my house and keep it there. So I usually spend Thursday and Friday charging up gear, getting everything divvied up, ready to go for my shooters. Friday is usually the day when the shooters will come, pick up gear from my house. If they have a Friday wedding, they'll come over Thursday. It just depends on the weekend. And then on the weekends, I'm usually shooting. Especially if we have multiple weddings in a day or, you know, weddings several days in a row. I'm usually shooting every weekend and then I start all over again.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I think for a lot of people that sounds like a lot of the tasks that they're... I mean, these are all tasks that have to be done, right? But it's doing that on top of also shooting all the films, editing all the films that I think bogs so many people down. I hear a lot of people, you know, one of the things I I mentioned on previous podcasts is that my first hire was an editor. And for me, like that was really important. But I hear a lot of people out there say, no, I don't want to give that up. I really love the editing process. And so for someone in those shoes... I think the first hire would be a studio manager.
1: I absolutely agree with you on that point, which reminded me I wanted to say, you know, I talk to other vendors and I talk to other people and you know, when I explain what I do for Ladybird Studios, you know, I've had people say, Oh wow, you work in the office and you shoot on the weekends? Like it sounds overwhelming to some people. And then I'm say, Well, I'm really only in the office three days a week and I usually only have one wedding weekend, maybe two, but The one thing that makes my job possible is that I do not edit. If I had to also edit, that would just completely overwhelm me. The fact that all I have to do is shoot the wedding and dump the footage and somebody else takes on the role of being the editor, takes all of that away. So if you're somebody that loves the editing process, I would put your time and energy into that. Shoot your wedding Spend all your time in the editing and hire somebody to run your business day to day. If you really like running the business and you kind of feel like you could let go of the editing process, then I would recommend hiring an editor.
0: Absolutely. I think for everyone, the first person that they're going to hire is just going to be the person who fills that role, like we said, of what is it that you feel like you either don't want to be doing or just don't have the time for. And so again, for me, it was first, well, if we're gonna be doing all of these films on top of the ones I'm already currently doing, there's no way I can stay on top of the editing, so it had to be an editor first, and also, I'm better at the business stuff than at especially the the monotonous kind of beginning parts of the edit where you're putting together the you know the ceremony and the toast and you're calling through the footage and all that kind of stuff. It's to me, it's like the if you were, you know, ever wrote a paper in high school or college, it's that staring at the blank screen, the blank sheet of paper that's so difficult just to get started. You know, once you get started and you kinda get in the flow, like things can keep going. But it's that first getting started part that was always challenging for me in school and in the edit. And so having, you know, Manuel get in there even for my boutique brand where he'll get me past that blank slate part. You know, he'll make the cuts for me. He'll make the cuts of the the ceremony and the toast. He'll do all my culling. He'll look for the audio gold. He'll lay down a a first um, first cut of the highlight. That enables me to go in there and do the stuff that I really love to do, crafting the story, all that kind of stuff um, in terms of the final touches of the film. But again, it's just what is your biggest need and fill that. And for so many creatives, I know that that first need is going to be the person to fill all those administrative tasks that they just pull their hair out over. Because I see so often people say, Oh, you know, a client got mad at me because I didn't answer an email fast enough or whatever the case is that it's just challenging for you to stay on top of all those things. So Speaking of that, though, what do you feel like is the most challenging part of what you do?
1: The most challenging part of what I do oftentimes is delegating, having multiple weddings in a weekend or in a day and having to prep everything for my other teams, which we have a great team. And I've worked with all the shooters. I feel confident about all of them. And I know that they do a good job, but there's still that always that underlying feeling of I'm sending people off. I'm sending a whole kit of gear off. I'm sending off all these details and they're going to take care of it. I'm not going to get to be there to oversee, to make sure everything's done right. I have to give them everything they need and trust that they're going to be able to make it through the day without me. So therefore, I spend a lot of time prepping, making sure I ask all the questions that need to be asked for the planner or the bride or the couple. Make sure the timelines are tight. They have all the information that we possibly need for the day. Making sure small things like, hey, you're planning to serve us vendor meals, right? Because you'd be surprised there's that occasional wedding you go to and they didn't think about food for you or it can be awkward if you have to Talk about that the day of the wedding. So, I like to figure out all those minute little details, give my shooters as much information as possible. And if it's a wedding that requires a little more attention to detail or they've got more things planned than usual, I like to really talk to my shooters about okay, just so you know, here are some extra things happening at the wedding. They really want you to make sure you capture this you know, beware of this. It's going to be, you know, kind of fast or this might be a little challenging. Just make sure you're aware of this and aware of that. And then just making sure I have all the gear in place, making sure everything is charged. SD cards are in cameras, in audio gear, formatted, ready to go. I mean, I probably check a kit five times before (laughs) I send it out the door because I'm just paranoid and I want to make sure that everything is in in its exact order so that you know, if anything happens, at least I can say it wasn't me, you know, because things always happen (laughs) at weddings that are out of your control. But I at least want to make sure that I prepare my shooters as best I can before they go to a wedding so they can feel comfortable and confident that, okay, I, I know the timeline, I've got the gear to support me, I can rock this wedding. And I know that the shooters have definitely appreciated that and how well I communicate with them and really kind of take care of them and I think it helps them a lot when they're shooting another challenging thing that kind of ties in with that is when we have multiple weddings in a day or weekend at the end of October we just had a weekend where we had five weddings in the weekend two Friday two Saturday and one Sunday and I was wreck for probably three weeks before that, <laughs> going through all of the details for every single wedding. I mean, I knew all the couple's names. I knew all the timelines. I had all of these details cram-packed into my head, and I had to make sure that I had the gear sorted out, where it was going to go, and how it was going to get to the next team the next day, and then who was going to bring it back. I literally organized every one of those five weddings SD cards into Ziploc baggies labeled with the couple's names just so (laughs) I knew where all my footage was and it stayed in a safe place and everything got back to the office on Monday safely and soundly so it was definitely the biggest challenge I had faced having to do that many weddings in a weekend but I think that because I had such a good system in place and I had been doing so well with my workflows up to that point I was able to get through even though it was stressful for a time but we made it through the weekend my teams were great and everything worked out
0: nice is running your business taking away from the time that you have to make better wedding films do you feel disorganized what happens when a hot lead goes cold after your first email response do you have a system in place to stay in contact with them do you find yourself asking where was that bride's phone number again and have they paid their invoice or not Which package do they get and what are their deliverables? How organized are your financial records when it comes to tax time? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could afford 40 or $50,000 to pay someone to take care of all this extra stuff for you? I've got an idea. How about you sign up for 17 hats and pay just $300 a year to let their amazing online software take care of all of this for you? Before I got 17 hats, I was buried in a sea of unorganized emails, spreadsheets, bank statements, receipts, sticky notes, Google Docs, and more. I was letting hot leaves go cold because I couldn't remember who to stay in contact with. I was spending weeks trying to get my tax records organized from my accountant. It was awful, and now I pay 17 hats just $300 a year, and they do all of that for me. It's like having a full-time assistant working around the clock on your business, making sure that everything is organized, invoices are paid on time, and making you look like a real pro to your clients. And now, 17 Hats is giving you an amazing offer. When you use the link at the top of our website, weddingfilmacademy.org, you'll get 15% off the list price, and it's a great way for you to help keep us making great content each week for you. If you want to learn more about 17 Hats, go back in the archives and listen to the podcast that we did with them. We actually got to chat with the CEO and one of the VPs of 17 Hacks for an hour. So definitely go back and listen to that podcast as well if you want to learn more. Thanks a ton. Let's get back to the show. So if, if you are a either A, a studio manager listening to this podcast, or B, you are someone who is a solopreneur and you're doing all these tasks yourself... Um, Taylor, tell me about like, what are some of the best tools that you have that you're using to do all this, you know, all the software and those kind of things. I know we you talked we talked about 17 hats on the show a number of times, but also you, you're using some other things. So talk about all the different kind of tools that you use. If someone's trying to get organized either on their own or they're trying to, um, help get their studio manager organized, what are the tools that you'd recommend to them?
1: This is really simple and basic. And I'm old school, but to-do lists. I literally have a notebook that is dedicated to nothing but my to-do lists. I have to-do lists for every possible category of my life, both personal and work. And I literally make lists for everything. I have to see it on paper. I like writing it down and then crossing it off when I'm done. And then looking at all my lists and that's how I see, okay, here's what I've done. Here's what I haven't done. Here's what I need to do. Here's what day I need to do it on. I will make checklists for gear prep. I will say, okay, here's everything I need to charge for a kit. And I'll write it down for as many kits as I have to prep. And then as things get fully charged, I put them back in the bags or the boxes and I check it off my list. And then I can go back You know, because a lot of times I'm charging over the course of a day, overnight into the next day. And I want to make sure I remember, okay, what have I already charged? And I've got things plugged in all over my house. You know, so it, it looks messy when I'm doing it. But because I keep lists and I always know what I've charged and what I still have to charge, it doesn't really feel that chaotic to me because I have a system in place. So the same goes for when I'm in the office. Just... I make a to-do list for every day that I'm in the office. Here's the tasks I got to do today. A lot of times Sunday, I will sit down and say, okay, you know, I've shot weddings this weekend or I've been off or I've been doing this and that. What do I have to get done when I go into the office on Monday? I've really tried to step back answering emails. As I, I, I answer emails really fast. Like I've got our company email linked to my phone and I see the notifications every time an email comes in and I'm that person that likes to respond quickly and make sure that our clients are getting answers to questions and so I I always answer emails even if it's 11 o'clock at night even if it's Sunday and I'm sitting there relaxing so I've tried to tell myself Taylor it's okay if you don't answer (laughs) emails on Saturday and Sunday first of all you're probably out shooting a wedding second of all I think the clients understand like, okay, on weekends you're out of the office, you know, we will talk during business hours. So I've actually just recently started putting an away message on for the weekend so that any emails that come in, they'll get an automatic response just saying, hey, we're out of the office on the weekends. We'll get back to you Monday. If it's an emergency, you can call us. So I've gotten more organized in how I answer emails because I can be, I guess, Obsessive about it, which is good, I guess, because I respond to clients quickly and a lot of them appreciate that. But I've kind of got a better system for that now. So on the weekends, I don't have to worry about office tasks. I just shoot weddings or take off whatever I'm doing. And then Sunday, I'll sit down and say, okay, you know, what kind of stuff has come into the inbox? What are the things I'm going to have to deal with next week in the office? And just make my list for Monday. And then from there on out, whatever I accomplish Monday, I'll see, okay, here's what I'm going to have to do the next days that I'm in the office this week. So really, honestly, keeping to-do lists is how I get through everything. And I don't really even need to go into 17 Hats because we've talked about that quite a few times on this show. And obviously for the office stuff, that is just the number one way to stay organized when you're dealing with clients and running a business.
0: Well, talk to me just briefly, uh, just give me a very brief overview of how you're using 17-Hast. Not everybody listens to every episode we do, so just give me, definitely, like, if you want to learn more about that, as Taylor said, like, it is by far the number one tool that we use, and it was my, you know, robotic studio manager before I had Taylor, Um, but tell me just kind of a brief overview of how you're using 17 Hats.
1: So, because we have workflows in place for all of our clients, those workflows send us notifications based on the timing we've set. So, every day I hop on 17 Hats and I just see what my notifications are. And it will remind me things like, oh, hey, the final payment is due for this client. Oh, hey, I need to send this email about the timeline to this client. So, it just kind of gives me an overview of here's the things that are coming up that I need to deal with either today or this week as far as payments, sending out email reminders, getting in touch with a client. It'll let me know kind of where we are in the timeline as far as expected delivery of a wedding film. So I use it just to kind of see all of those tasks and stay on top of all of the tasks. Just the fact that we've programmed those workflows so well is kind of the biggest step we had to take was going through the time and the effort, and all of the details of setting those up. And then really now I just hop on and stay on top of the tasks, which 17 hats tells me when it's time to do them because I set up the timing already. So it's just kind of a general office space where I get to send emails to clients, see the calendar. I can respond to new leads that have come in, and it's where we create our contracts, our invoices, keep track of all the documents things for every single client
0: yeah one of the things I was just actually thinking about this morning while I was uh, sending out we had a corporate job that just came up and I was sending out a contract and invoice to this client and one of the things I was just reflecting on as I was doing that is how spoiled I've gotten in just how easy that process is of sending out an invoice sending out a contract getting paid and getting the contract signed and back to me, it was nuts. I mean, I literally sent out the contract and invoice that took me probably a total of, uh, because I had to build a custom uh, invoice for him rather than just our templated invoices like we do for our weddings, it probably took me a total of two minutes, which, you know, in the past, before 17 Hats, that might have taken me, 15, 20 minutes um, to get the contract, to write out the email for it, to create the invoice, to write out the email for the invoice, and then to send that to them. And then it would have taken me a few weeks probably before I got paid for the job and before they mailed the contract back to me. But because I had 17 hats and I was able to do this not only and do it just in two minutes, but I had the contract returned to me, signed, and completed. And I had the invoice paid within 15 minutes of sending it, which was just remarkable. Um, I just love how not only easy it makes it for me, but how easy it makes it for my clients. Because I know before there was a conversation actually on Facebook about this today. If people were having a conversation about, you know, what are the payment methods that they do for their clients? A lot of people are saying they still do paper checks And somebody asked the question of, what's wrong with paper checks? And to me, the problem with paper checks is simply that, A, most of your young clients do not have checks. If they do have checks, they got a checkbook exclusively because they're getting married, um, which I think is, is silly, you know, that they had to go through the process of doing that. And B, you not only have to, they have to write it, they have to look at the invoice online. Then they have to go over to their paper check. They have to write a paper check. They have to go find an envelope and they have to go buy a stamp. And then they have to take it to their mailbox or drop it off at the post office. It's such a pain for them to have to do all this. And again, if you're doing a paper contract, it's the same thing. So they have to go to your email, print it out, fill it out, put it in an envelope, mail it back to you. Or maybe if they're a little bit wiser, maybe they'll scan it and send it back to you in an email. But still, it's a big pain to do all this stuff.
1: And we know how reliable the mail is.
0: Yes. Yeah. The good old federal government, you know, they do so many things well, including the Postal Service. (laughs) But, uh, you know, the ability to send out a contract, and invoice within two minutes, and then to get paid 15 minutes later is awesome. So... Anyways, if you're not using 17 ads, seriously, go do that. I know you already. We have, have a
1: commercial. code. You can get a
0: discount. That's right. Yes, just click that link for that discount. Um, awesome, Taylor. Why? We we've kind of covered this, but is there any else? Any other reason why you think someone should hire a studio manager?
1: So that you have time to do the things that you really love, and you get your life back. I think. Jordan, for you, you were getting to a point where you had a family. You had a wife and two kids that you wanted to spend time with, which is why you had your home office and you have your own business, which allows you that flexibility until it starts really rolling and growing. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, there's so much to do. And I'm having a hard time staying on top of everything. Plus, you know, shooting, editing, like obviously I've got to hire more people for that. So I think you were getting to a point where... You were spending so much time just trying to kind of keep the business afloat and allow it to grow. But then, you know, you were missing out on spending time with your family and you were just trying to juggle both. So I think for you, it was a no brainer because you were like, I want to have even more flexibility than I had in the beginning. And as my company grows, I want to be able to let it expand as big as it can be and really focus on that growth and the business side of it and running it, but hire people to do all the other things that really I don't want to spend my energy and my time on because you love the business. You love growing it. You love expanding and you love networking and reaching out to people and just you're the big picture guy. So it makes sense for you to hire someone well, a whole team of people really that can fill in all of those little gaps and keep the train moving on the tracks. So you're good at laying the tracks and we're good at moving the train along.
0: All right. Yes. That's a good analogy. Nicely done. Um, Yeah, I think one of the quotes I hear people say a lot is only an entrepreneur would trade 40 hours a week for 80 hours a week or 100 hours a week. And I think that's true, but one of the important things that's sort of a caveat to that is that's okay for a season, but if you work 80 or 100 hours a week until you're 70 years old, you're going to be a miserable person. You're going to be miserable to be around. Nobody's going to want to be around you because you're going to be cranky. Um, you're not going to have gotten enough sleep you're not going to have spent enough time with your kids and your wife and your husband and your your family you're just not going to be the type of person that people want to be around to be honest because that's kind of a rough existence and so I think again it's okay to be that and to do that for a season while you're working on your plan to get out of that rat race but Having that as your normal way of life, your normal way of being, is going to catch up to you. And so that was a huge part of it, like you said, is figuring out how to get out of that rat race and how to get out of a place where I was going to have to be doing that indefinitely. And had I not hired an editor, had I not hired a studio manager, one is... I would have never felt comfortable growing the company to the size that it is today. I mean, if I had, we would have all of our clients would be ticked at us all the time, you know, and we would have terrible reviews and you know, it would, the whole thing would have crashed and burned by now. That's for sure. Um, but also I think that, um, just letting go of some of these things has really given me the freedom to feel like, This company can grow as large as I want it to. There's no limit to that, which is just not the case if you're a solopreneur. And that's fine. Maybe it's not for everyone. If you're a solopreneur, I'm not saying that's a bad thing for you. Um, You know, if that's the way that you want to keep doing it, then that's great. Do what works best for you. Do what makes you happy. But if you are the type of person who would like more freedom in life then being a solopreneur will only allow you so much freedom. Yes, it will allow you freedom from your boss telling you what to do. Of course, instead you have, you know, your 20 or 30 bosses, um, your clients. Um, But uh, you're going to have so many things that you're tied to having to do that you maybe don't want to do, like some of these details that we talked about. So for me, like there's... No more reason to hire someone else, again, whether it's an editor, a studio manager, another shooter, whatever the role is for your business that you really need to fill, there's no greater reason to do that more so than giving you the kind of freedom that you want in life. Taylor, what else do you want to say about the the benefits of, of having a studio manager?
1: I just wanted to add on, because I thought of this while we were talking my favorite part of working for Ladybird Studios is that I get to do both. I get to be in the office and oversee clients and be the studio manager, and I get to shoot weddings. And I will say that those two things go hand in hand very well. I feel like being the studio manager in turn makes me a better shooter and makes me a lot more calm and confident on the day. I'm I can adapt to my surroundings a lot Easier. And then shooting wedding films makes me a better studio manager. Getting to see both sides of the business helps me operate better and understand the other role that I play even better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so maybe it's the case that you already have a second shooter who works for you who, you know, maybe they're not an editor and they can't do that, but maybe they're a really organized person and they would like a way to you know, quit their job working for Dairy Queen or, uh, you know, whatever it is that they're doing on the side. So, you know, maybe that's the person that you look for and you do sort of, sort of something like what I did where you kind of do a trial run, you know, say, Hey, I'd like to give you some of these responsibilities and let's see how it goes for a month. Let's see how it goes for two months and sort of walk alongside them through that process and give them some coaching and some advice as they go through that. I think that one of the things that probably stops a lot of people from feeling like they can do something as big as hiring someone is just the the commitment that comes along with that. Of feeling like, oh well if I hire someone, then now I have someone who is, you know, sort of I'm responsible for you know, for their financial well-being. And, you know, once you have someone who's full-time, then, yeah, you know, you do play a role in that. But I think that there are other creative ways to think about how you go about the hiring process that will take away that burden from you, you know, like this trial thing that we did that ended up working out, uh, you know, wonderfully, But it would have also been great had it not worked out wonderfully. And I realized, okay, yeah, I do really want someone to fill this, but this person wasn't the right fit. And so either way, it's sort of a, you know, there's there's very little to risk there if you're able to do something kind of where you're building up towards something that is more full-time for that person.
1: Were you nervous at all when you first, a year ago, passed this new job on to me? Like when I officially took over you know, operating 17 hats and talking to your clients and really taking on the full load of office duties? Were you kind of, you know, nervous about relinquishing the really the full control of all of the operations of the company?
0: I think there's always a little bit of nervousness as I let go of different things. And, I mean, you've seen that as you've gotten more and more responsibilities and of course, you know, gotten compensated for each of those new things that we add on to you. But, but you've seen sort of that there's a, there's sort of this learning period for me where I still do some of those things myself. And I think I'm probably still guilty of that sometimes. Um, But over time I realize, okay, yeah, she's got this, you know, I, there's been times where I've like been writing an email to a client and I'm not doing this so much anymore, but I've been writing an email to a client and I'm like, Oh, uh, this is Taylor's job. Delete. I'll let her answer this one. She's got it. And I've had to be kind of intentional with that just because I worked myself into a habit of that. And so, uh, nervousness may or may not be the right word, but there was definitely, you know, something there That had me, you know, maybe a little bit concerned at different times about different tasks, but it happens less and less because now I know you, you know, it was obviously the beginning was pretty easy to say yes to that trial run because A, it was a trial run. Um, B, you know, you sold the idea really well and C, I didn't feel like it was something that was, you know, running our social media accounts and stuff like that. I didn't feel like it was something that, you know, you could ruin the company over, you know. And then as I learned more and more about you, I learned how good you are at some of these tasks. And that made it easier and easier to trust you with some of those things kind of as we went along. That on top of the fact that, you know, we worked together closely, that we already had a lot of the systems in place with 17 Hats. And so I knew at least a lot of those things were the system was in place. And so it's just a matter of having you as sort of the clock keeper to the systems. And then of course it's become more and more of more and more than that over time, as you know, we've been able to be in the office together. And even before that you'd ask a question and about, you know, something that the client asked, for example, you know, they send an email with a question that you didn't know how to answer And rather than saying, okay, well, I'll just handle it, typically my response is to talk about it with you and then let you formulate that response in your own words. And sometimes it's micromanaged more than that, but usually not. Usually we just kind of have a conversation about how that situation could be handled, how that question could be answered, and then i let you handle it. And that way it becomes less and less frequent that you even have to ask the question at all.
1: Yeah, and I never hesitated to ask you questions, especially when this job was new. I was not that person that was just going to try to handle it myself or just guess at things or say things to clients. Like, client communication was very important, and I realized how important that was. So I would never hesitate to ask if I didn't know the answer to something or I wasn't even quite sure how to word it. Because there was times when I knew the answer, But crafting it in a way that was, you know, respectful of the client or would help them understand better. Sometimes, you know, it just helps to run it by you and say, "Hey, I've got this client that's got kind of this interesting question or request, and here's what I'm thinking, but I'm not quite sure what I want to say yet." So sometimes I'll just run my responses by you and say, "Does this sound okay? You know, is this something that I can send to the client?" Because I I never wanted to send out something that then it would come back and be like, oh my gosh, why did you say that to them? Or, or then the client gets upset. Like I never wanted to be like the bad middleman. I wanted to make sure that client communication ran smoothly. So I'm never afraid to ask questions.
0: Yeah. And I think that's obviously like a great quality to have in any of your employees is that, that ability to ask questions. One of the things I always looked for and continue to look for whenever we're hiring new people is maybe the quality above any other is is that person coachable because if they're not coachable then to me it's like why am I even going to waste time on that person because I'm going to be wasting all my time just trying to convince them that they have something to learn from me or convincing them that this is the particular way that I want it done Um, and so that's probably one of the number one qualities that I look for and I think I maybe even said that in my ad Uh, at the beginning when I was looking for people is coachable spirit is a must. And so obviously, you know, you've displayed that with uh, great excellence. (laughs) Um, Awesome. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I think, I think this has been going to be really helpful to a lot of people, whether it is uh, the case that you already have a studio manager and you're trying to refine the processes for them Or, you know, whether that's a move that you need to be making soon. Um, I think this is going to be a really helpful conversation.
1: We have to do our pick of the week, Jordan.
0: Absolutely. It's that time. So, what do you got, Taylor?
1: My pick of the week, and I hope I say this right, (laughs) Saiku card reader.
0: Yes. Jordan
1: just bought two of these card readers for our computer, And each one will hold two regular SD cards and two micro SD cards, which basically means that now on Mondays, I can dump an entire wedding in one go. I can put all the cards into the computer. I can have everything transferring at one time. And it just really speeds up my process. And then I have more time to go through and organize the footage because I'm not having to put cards in one by one by one and then wait for them to dump and then have to keep coming back. I can literally put all the cards in at once, know they're all transferring, and then I can go do other things for a little bit because it takes some time, but I don't have to keep checking on it and replacing cards, you know, every 15 minutes. So that has really expedited my workflow and made my work process a lot better.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I remember Taylor talking about how long it was taking her to back up all this footage. I'm like, there has to be a good solution. And so I asked on Facebook, and the responses that I got were, like, some $300 tower, I forgot who makes it, that you can put, like, four SD cards into. And didn't even have a spot for micro SD cards. And I was like, this is wildly expensive for a card reader. There has to be something else. And so I spent, like, way too long. I probably spent an hour, an hour and a half trying to find this. So this is a great gift to you, not only in that it's going to – make your backup systems way faster but it's also not going to cost you 300 bucks these card readers were only eight dollars a piece eight dollars so we spent 16 bucks to buy two of them so that you could back up four sd and four micro sd all at the same time awesome saves you so much time for only 16 bucks money well spent so it's I think it's S-A-I-C-O-O. Yes. So that you don't have to spend two hours looking for this card reader online. So you're welcome. They do sell it on Amazon. And my pick of the week, I talked about it last week a little bit, but now I've got to play with it a lot more. And I got to say, I am totally digging the Lumix G9. Now, it's kind of an unfortunate pick of the week because you can't get it until January. (laughs) So I apologize for wetting your tongue that way. But if you are the type of artist who does both photo and video, I think you're really going to be interested in this camera, particularly those of you who are shooting a lot of photography, but video is still important to you. So this is... I talked about this a little bit and we're still working on, I'm kind of doing a long-term review. Uh, it's turning into a little bit longer term, longer term review than I had expected, partly because of all my travels. And I'm like, oh, well, now I'm going to another cool place. I should talk about it here too. I should take some 80 megapixel still images of the uh, political buildings at uh, in Washington, D.C. And so, you know, we did that. I took a number of 80 megapixel stills to compare them to the 20 megapixel files that are coming out. And I got to say pretty stinking impressive what this thing can do on top of also shooting 4k and 60p and doing it at the most affordable price point of any camera on the market. Pretty awesome. I think, I think, and I could be wrong on this. I think they said the final price point is going to be 1700 for this camera body. Um, which is pretty stinking awesome. What? For, yes. Pretty stinking awesome for all that this camera can do stills-wise. I think the closest thing that you can compare it to as a still photography camera would be like the Sony A9 because this thing is like a a speed shooting machine. You can shoot raw images at 20 frames per second. Um, so you're getting 20 megapixel RAWs at 20 frames per second with no blackout on the EVF. So if you're shooting any kind of sports, action, wildlife, anything like that, or even if you're just shooting weddings and you're trying to capture the decisive moment, I think this is just going to be a really awesome camera for you for stills. But also, again, just having just that one feature of alone. I guess the the two in combination of it is what really blows me away. The the dual image stabilization, both in the body and in the lens, in combination with the 4K 60P, is just a mind-blowing feature to have. It has enabled me to do so much more with so much less kit, and so definitely it's worth taking a look at. If you are going to be, if you're doing exclusively video, and you're not shooting much photos or you're hardly shooting photos at all I still would go for the the GH5 that would still be my go-to choice for sure because it's meant as the pro video camera that also shoots photos this Lumix A9 is the pro photographer's camera that also shoots video and so I think for a lot of people it's just gonna be a fantastic choice (laughs) <laughs> you wanted to say something, Taylor. You
1: did say A9, it's G9. Oh. Not to be oh. confused with Sony.
0: <laughs> yes, my bad. I was comparing it to the A9, so my fault. The Lumix G9 is going to be the photographer's camera that also shoots spectacular video. So also one of the cool features and there's there's so there's two different things that I I think really stood out and made me think what how they do that so one is if you haven't heard about the ridiculously incredible image stabilization on the gh5 which by the way also comes on the g85 and it's just ridiculously awesome what they're saying about the g9 and i haven't put this to test because it'd be something that just would be a challenging thing to test out and i'm not like I'm not like a huge gearhead. I'm more like i like the i like things to work the way that I want them to work, and I just go you know go do it. So one of the things that it they say it does is it does one stop better of image stabilization than even the g h five or the g eighty five which is crazy. So they're saying it does six and a half stops. Which is mind-blowing. And actually, I did test it just in terms of some still photos when I was in D.C. So I did some awesome, like, night photos of the, uh, what do they call it? The, the big pool. What do they call it? The It's got a name. The pool in front of the Lincoln Memorial. Um,
1: wow, I feel like I should know that, too. I, I should know <laughs> the word. I
0: was just there. It's like, you know, the meditation pool or something like that. Anyways, you all know what I'm talking about. It's in front of the Lincoln Memorial Um, And then, of course, the Washington Monument is on the other side of it. And so I was standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, taking a photo down the pool. You've all seen a photo like it probably where the Washington Monument is at the end. And you've got got its reflection in the pool. But anyways, I was taking this photo probably 45 minutes after sunset and hand-holding it. I think I shot it. I have to go back and check my specs, but I think I shot it at one second shutter speed. So I had the shutter speed open for a full second handheld and I zoomed in. I haven't put this on my computer screen, but I zoomed in to 16 times on the back of the screen and everything looked completely sharp, which is just mind blowing that you're able to do a second, a one second exposure handheld. But Anyways, so that was one thing that they said about it. The other thing that they said that's blowing my mind is they're saying it's 25% improved dynamic range, which is nuts. So if you're looking for more dynamic range out of your shots and you're shooting primarily video, then maybe it is still worth a look. So, again, that'll be my pick of the week. And I apologize that I'm making a pick of the week that you can't even get until after Christmas. But... I'm just loving this camera. So I had to do it. Awesome. It certainly
1: is a great thing to work for you because we get to see all these cameras and new things from Lumix all the time before they're released. And I get to know the secrets.
0: All the secrets. Perks of my job. (laughs) Awesome. You didn't hear that, Lumix. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well... Um, If you're listening to this podcast when it comes out or just a couple days after, just a reminder, I am going to be in the Denver area this weekend uh, teaching a number of classes. We'll be teaching at Mike's Camera in Boulder on Friday, this coming Friday uh, at 2 o'clock and teaching just kind of a 45-minute crash course. Don't ask me how I'm going to teach what I want to in 45 minutes. But if you want to come and hang out and meet me, and I will have a G9 there with me that you can play with as well, then come on out to Boulder, Mike's Camera, on Friday. I believe we'll be in uh, Denver on Saturday, and then Park Meadows location on Sunday. So definitely come and check that out. Double check my work that I'm right on those dates, but I know Friday is in Boulder for sure. I keep getting mixed up if Denver's Saturday or Sunday. Either way, I would love to meet you in the flesh, so come say hi to me at one of those Mike's locations at two o'clock. It is a free thing. They're actually going to be putting on it's kind of a full weekend of seminars that a bunch of different people. All the different camera manufacturers are coming out to teach different topics. So you can get like a full day of free education. So thanks to Mike's camera and Illumix for sponsoring that and giving you some more awesome free content. So hopefully I will see some of you in Denver. And thanks again for tuning in to another episode and definitely make sure and leave us a five-star review on itunes it is so helpful and super encouraging when we get to read your awesome reviews so please do that and we'll talk to you next week the wedding film academy podcast is produced by taylor juarez if you found this episode helpful be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on itunes And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our
1: other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.